ACSP TipCast 108. Looking back at the ACSM Annual Meetings DB Dill Memorial Lecture. Hey gang, summertime is here. I uh, just wrapped up my latest clinic at the Xterra EX2. Met some great folks out there. Uh, and talked about a little bit about uh, you, know, you know Camelback. And uh, mainly though this year we talked about race strategy. Um, again, always like meeting new racers and getting those questions. And I thought this year was great. Uh, but again, I uh, had a chance to actually try some new Camelback products. And I know I've been talking about this for a while, but uh, what I find is that a lot of racers will shy away from a Camelback. A lot of people um, will use uh, either a water bottle or maybe, um, you know, occasionally they, they, they will use a Camelback, but it's a giant Camelback. And I've been uh, actually using their newer vest, and it's designed for running, uh, and it's called a circuit vest. Uh, but I got to be honest, I love it. It fits really well. Uh, and I was actually just commenting to them um, about the fact that I like it because it is so secure on my back. So if you want to know more uh, about all of Camelback's products, head on over to www.camelback.com. And that is Camel uh, back as in B-A-K. All right, gang. Uh, wrapping up my discussion this year on the American College of Sports Medicine Conference. Uh, I had a chance to go to the DB Dill Lecture. And if you're not familiar or perhaps you're wondering uh, who DB Dill was, it was David Bruce Dill. He was actually one of the founding members of the Harvard Fatigue Lab and in the circles of exercise physiology and exercise science. That was where it really all began. A uh, lot of great researchers, uh, got their start, came through that lab. D.B. Dill was one of them. I did some fundamental research in exercise science. And so every year, the American College of Sports Medicine has a memorial lecture uh, in honor of D.B. Dill. And I sat in on that one because it was very interesting to me. And the topic was harder, longer to the extremes is more better. Really getting at, again, this idea uh, if there is too much of a good thing with exercise, and I know I've talked about on this on this podcast before, and I've 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 interviewed people. There there there's kind of like this new trend going around where we don't want to exercise too much because too much intensity or, or extreme ultra endurance stuff is dangerous, and, and certainly we do have cases of uh, of people dying. Um, not just during the, you know, kind of the ultra stuff, but particularly during the marathon. Uh, and, it, you know, if you've listened to this podcast at all, you know where my stance is. Uh, and not surprisingly, this lecture uh, really went in line with that. Um, so, so what I want to do is actually kind of go through what what all uh, was talked about there. And, and hopefully you actually had a chance to follow me on Twitter. I, I was doing some live tweeting on this. Uh, but if you didn't, uh, basically what we know is that people who are low fit, doesn't matter, male or female, have at least double 
the, uh, the mortality risk of cardiovascular disease. Okay, so, so your chances of dying of cardiovascular disease is, is at least double, um, and it's independent of any other factor, okay? Uh, and the fact is, is that the more fit you are, uh, the less likely you are of dying. So, so, so we often say that your, your, your risk of dying is reduced three to five times. So, so again, it gets a little confusing with, you know, you know, twice as likely, three to five times lower. Uh, but basically, exercise follows a dose-response relationship. And this is very similar to a lot of drugs. Uh, and, and we do like to think about exercise as medicine and and often talk to my students about this idea of exercise is medicine and and, and this has been something that's been talked about for a long time but in general the more you exercise uh the better it is okay so if you are active one day a week that's better than zero and two days a week is better than than one and three is better than two so on and so forth Uh, but then there's this idea, well, you know, can you get too much, okay? We, we know, you know, too much of anything is, is, ne- is never a good thing. You know, we know that too much water, uh, too much sugar, uh, you know, too much fat, too much uh, Advil, uh, it, it doesn't matter. You can have too much, and certainly you can exercise too much. Um, but really, when we get to it, we do see that your, your risk of mortality Okay, uh, and we often talk about more, more mortality because everybody's concerned about dying. Um, you know, we, we, we don't spend a lot of time talking about morbidity or really your quality of life. And I'm not going to get into that on this tipcast, but I am going to talk about this idea that there is an inverted U-shape. And that is really telling us that as your dose of exercise goes up, you exercise more, you're going to reach an optimal level where your risk of mortality is lowest. And so that's around two to four times a week. So if you're active or exercising two to four times a week, your risk is lowest. And then if you're exercising on a daily basis, you're, you're doing something every day, uh, your risk of dying is about twice that as if you just did that optimal dose. So clearly, uh, you, you know, if you're, if you're an extreme exerciser, you're more likely to die. But that's not the same thing as saying uh, exercise is going to kill you. And it's really, really important to actually look at the other extreme. Uh, people who are rarely active are six times or more greater um, or more likely of dying, okay? They have a greater chance of mortality, okay? On top of that, they're more likely to have an increased risk for morbidity, and we see this all the time. Use it or lose it. If you're very inactive uh, and you, you don't really get out, you don't do things, you don't exercise, your ability to do just everyday living, activities of daily living goes down. Um, so, so, so clearly we have a, a reduced risk of mortality as we exercise. But again, there, there's, there's kind of this new trend where a lot of people talk about, well, you know, the extreme exercisers, they're at increased risk of, of death and, and these extreme people really need to be careful. But one of the other issues that, that we run into 
is that there's very limited research. And so a lot of times people will cite research and they'll say, oh, well, you know, the people that, again, worked out two to four times a week, they seem to have the lowest risk. And as you exercise more, you are more likely to die. But when we actually look at the numbers, oftentimes the, you, you know, the sample size, the number of people in the research studies is very, very large in those kind of middle groups. But they, when we get out to the extreme exercisers, and I'll, I'll, I'll talk about one study that, that came up during the DB Dill lecture, uh, they, they talked about one study where, you know, the, um, you know, the lowest group had about a thousand participants and then the middle range groups had about a thousand participants or 2000 participants so somewhere around there but but the number of subjects they had in the research was in the thousands and then you had the extreme group had 40 okay and when we get into these 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 very different group sizes especially when we're getting into a factor of 10 um or 100 uh, now we, at, we actually start to skew those results. And so those smaller groups uh, appear more impactful, okay? Uh, if you only have 40 people in your sample size um, and 10, 10 died during that period of time, um, that, that makes it look like it's very dangerous because 25% of your, your subject pool died. But in reality... Um, there could be other factors involved. And one of the things that we often see is that people who uh, tend to die during exercise already have underlying disease. And the exercise is the kind of the trigger. It's not the cause. Um, so yeah, if you have existing disease and you exercise, particularly if you are doing high intensity training or high intensity interval training, um, your more likely to die if you have underlying disease. And this one is very important because if we're talking about taking people that are middle-aged and they're getting into exercise, and what do they typically start with? CrossFit, interval training, that's the hot thing, that's gonna burn your fat, that's gonna you, you know, make you stronger, faster, whatever it is. Um, that's, that's generally not where we wanna start. Um, the other thing we, we tend to find is that people don't warm up, okay? And so we do know that it, it doesn't take a lot of warm up, but a little bit of warm up, maybe 10 minutes, can dramatically decrease your risk for arrhythmias. There's been a lot of great research that's shown this. Um, if you just warm somebody up, those arrhythmias, those random kind of heartbeats, that risk goes way, way down. Okay. Uh, and then the last thing that really increases your, your risk, and this again gets back to that high intensity, um, you know, factor are people who are occasional exercisers that really go out and hammer. Okay. That's your weekend warrior. Their risk of dying is dramatically higher, particularly from, uh, you know, cardiovascular disease related death, like a heart attack. Okay, so the bottom line here is that people who exercise on a regular basis, I don't care if you're an extreme exerciser or you're the middle of the road, um, you are at lower risk for all-cause mortality, meaning your risk of dying from everything is lower, okay? There is evidence that intense training um, 
increases your risk of dying if you have underlying disease, but the evidence that it actually causes disease or increases your risk for cardiovascular disease is extremely limited. We just don't have it. Um, now, now that's not to say that it doesn't exist, but if I'm going to give a recommendation to somebody on what they should do, I'm not going to tell somebody that exercise is dangerous. If they've never, uh, you know, if they've never worked out before, if they're starting out with very low fitness level, I'm going to be very careful about how I start them. Particularly, I'm going to, you, you know, maybe do a little bit of intensity, but I'm also going to make sure that they warm up properly. Hey gang, that's it for TipCast 108. If you want to learn more about this or anything else, drop me an email at esppodcast at gmail.com. You can also learn more over at www.espanswers.com. That's espanswers.com. You can also donate. I want to definitely remind you guys to head on over there, donate. You can click, you can review. Uh, all sorts of things at the website. Uh, and I am going to be putting up some new material pretty soon. Uh, actually, on my next tip cast, I'm going to be doing a little bit of a Tour de France wrap-up. Not going to talk specifically about the race. I, I, th- I think there's enough podcasts out there and there's enough discussion. Not going to be, I'm not going to be talking about uh, you know, Sagan and getting kicked out of the tour. Again, that's been kind of done to death. I'm going to talk more about kind of the, the, the stories around the tour, uh, you know, some of the training stuff. And in particular, um, I, I'm going to be doing a companion blog on a recent study. I know it's been doing the rounds, but, uh, you know, my buddy Jeff sent me a study on EPO and, and not surprisingly, um, they had some interesting results, so I'm going to be talking about that. But really, again, in the context of the research and, and how it was designed and how they drew their conclusions. Again, if you have any other questions, feel free to drop me an email at, w, or at esppodcast at gmail.com. You can also uh, make comments on our Facebook page, ESP Podcast. Remember, folks, if you're not thinking ahead, you're falling behind. Thank you.